This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to their favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look at Emperor's New Groove to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So, right up on the top here, it's one of these episodes again. Sarah has shortchanged all of our listeners <laughs> and will not be joining us today. It is just the boys. Mark, how you doing? I am here. <laughs> It's a, that's it'll be, all we can hope for, and that's more than Sarah is doing. It's true, but it will still be fun. Yes, let's hope so. All right, so this is my pick, so I've got a 60-second synopsis. Let's see if I can beat the clock. I probably can't. I never have. So uh, give me a countdown, and then let's go. All right. Are you ready? I sure am. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Emperor Cusco is looking to build a new summer home, inviting the man who runs the small village that he's planning on destroying, Pacha, to the palace to inquire which way it should face to get the best sunlight. Pacha tries to disagree, but leaves disappointed. Meanwhile, his avire Yzma has been sitting on the throne, dissing at her own form of justice. Cusco doesn't stand for this and fires her on the spot, leading to her planning to murder him. With her assistant, Krunk, they get Cusco to drink poison. But wait, that's not poison. It's a potion that transforms Cusco into a llama. They knock him out, and while Krunk is disposing of the body in a sack, he has a moral dilemma and loses it. It winds up on Pacha's car and walks Cusco all the way back to his village. Pacha agrees to get Cusco home as long as he builds his summer home elsewhere, but when they get close, Cusco betrays him and ultimately gets nowhere on his own. Meanwhile, Yzma has, le has learned Cusco is still alive, and she and Krunk go out and intercept him. Through a series of misadventures, near misses, and talking to squirrels, Yzma and Krunk find them and chase them all the way back to the palace. They wind up in Yzma's lab, Cusco looking for the potion that would make him human again. There is a long scene of him trying almost every other potion while getting chased by guards in the past. And in the process, Yzma, dang it, Yzma <laughs> is turned into a cat. Towards the end, uh, Cusco finally makes the right choice, choosing to save Pacha instead of getting the new potion. More misadventure gets in the potion anyways, restoring his humanity. Film ends with him building a much smaller summer house near Pacha so they can vacation as friends. Gosh darn it. Well, as you, do that as you can minute? tell, you did not make the one minute mark. <laughs> you don't say. You mean that giant self-destruct timer <laughs> meant that I got it, did not get it in on time? Um... I also uh, like the fact that you called him Cuckoo at one point. I, I sure did, <laughs> but I had to power through. Oh, goodness. All right, so let's get into long form. What, do you, uh, what did you see as an adult that you missed as a child? I think I still enjoyed the movie a lot. I, I remember when it came out, I thought a lot of people liked it, but what i recall from a lot of other things is that critics possibly didn't like it it was not very highly rated at the time and i think it is a very underrated movie in my opinion i think anybody i've ever talked to finds it very entertaining so it's interesting to me that it's not one of the better known disney movies 
All right. I will agree with you to a point because I think this film has very interesting scenes. Uh, there's definitely great moments, definitely iconic moments that I think work very well. For instance, when they're standing back to back in a, oh, what do you call that? The reverse of a mountain, a valley, if you will. Um, <laughs> a they have to, a crevasse, yes. Uh, <laughs> and they have to um, walk up the mountain together, and like Cusco has to extend his head so that Pacha can go up and read the, the rope. Uh, also, <clears throat> the restaurant scene is still very good, yes. uh, where Cusco uh, somehow, Krunk has become the chef. And both Cusco and Yisma are there, neither one realizing that the other is there. And they keep walking into the kitchen to give orders, uh, kind of ordering the same thing, but changing their mind every two seconds. That works very well. Where this film falls apart for me is the connective tissue between these scenes. Because so much of it is just randomness. And like, they understand this film uh, these characters need to get here. How do we get them there? Oh, I guess the hand of God intervenes. I, I would agree with that. I think, I I mean, it is still underrated in my opinion. But, yes, it is not one of the best movies they have made. <laughs> it's there that it has its good points. It also has its low points. Um, although, what is interesting is that I, I kind of, I do agree those are some good scenes, but... I guess I kind of like the randomness of it where it's almost the film making fun of itself because they noticed that it wasn't that good. <laughs> I There are a few points that I feel they could have just done without completely. Like at one point, it's when Pacha gets back to his home after finding out that Cusco is going to build a village there. He's back with his family, and when his wife asks him about it, he lies to her and says, oh, they couldn't let me see him, he was too busy. And then um, it's all this sad part about, oh, I'm going to lose my home and all this. And then suddenly the movie stops and goes back to Kuzco. And he's like, no, this movie is all about me. You need to forget this. It's like, I can understand the humor of that point, but mm -hmm. it is completely unnecessary to the movie itself. It could have gone through without that. So Okay, I wasn't sure where you were going with this because I agree with you. The scene where Pacha gets back to his family is great it is yes. an emotion tie-in he is Correct. about to lose his familiar home uh that has been in his family for i think he said something like 10 generations just a really long time of him losing his home and yes the narration from cusco could go away entirely why i think it's there is it keeps children interested in a scene they would not otherwise be interested in. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I could see the value of it in that part, but for me, it was just kind of like, well, here's 30 seconds that we didn't need to see because it had nothing to do with the actual plot of the movie. Yes. But I, I agree with you. I think that, I don't know if it was just they thought maybe it was too depressing for kids or that it wasn't <laughs> interesting enough, so they had to throw something in to make it kind of humorous so that someone would stay interested. Yeah, another part where it falls apart for me is a lot of this film relies on the charisma of David Spade playing Cusco. And when it's just him alone, which happens a lot, it is it is hard to watch. And I don't find David Spade that interesting or funny. I think it's because he spent a lot of his careers as like a, the straight man to a much funnier person and to see him alone it seems like it's kind of missing something well and then 
I can't believe that his name is escaping my brain. David is it John Putty. Goodman? David Putty. Oh, oh, yes. Um, um, gosh. That guy. Anyway, he is Kronk is hilarious. Patrick Warburton. There's the word. Um, <laughs> I I think, to your point, um, I, I almost find his character better than David Spade's as the Emperor, and mm-hmm. that may be why they made a sequel that's all completely devoted to Kronk. But <laughs> oh yeah, Kronk but, is the highlight of this film. Yes, he doesn't have a single scene where I don't want to see more of him. Correct. So it's interesting that it's supposed to be all about the Emperor, but I always wanted more of Kronk. And right. again, there is a sequel about him. So there you go. They they made your wish come true. Now I think. Uh, David Spade works very well when his character goes against Pacha or goes up against uh, John Goodman playing Pacha because you get like the wealthy versus the poor, the the selfless versus the selfish. And I think that play works very well. It's just there's too many instances where it's just David Spade on his own because he's made terrible decisions. Yes. I like the whole part where he's talking to himself as the narrator because he's sad. Um, this yes, is after, he was... after he's, they've been to the cafe and he has deserted Pacha because he thought he had found people who were going to save him. And then he finds out that they were there to kill him and Pacha has left him. So he's all sad and depressed now and it's raining on him and he doesn't know what to do with his life. And then the narrator comes on to talk about it and he starts yelling at himself as the narrator and it's a little bit strange yes <laughs> so uh i wanted to talk about this because this film starts in media res we meet um cusco when rain is falling on him and he said well do you want to know how i got here and he tells us a story of how he became a llama and how he got to this point uh and i don't understand where in the timeline the narrator is so like Clearly, the narrator's a llama. We see him break in and do, like, John uh, Madden-style <laughs> X's and O's on the screen. Yes. So that means somewhere between him getting turned to llama and turned into a human is where that narrator exists. But he argues with himself in the very scene where he should exist. Now, the interesting thing, I hadn't thought about this, but... Do you ever hear him as the narrator for the rest of the film after that? Because I, it could be that he is the narrator at that point when it's raining. Right. And then afterwards he is no longer narrating because he's not the narrator. I agree yes. with you, but I don't see why, if him in the rain is the narrator, why he would be at odds with himself and yelling at himself and disagree with himself, given that he's the one who's telling the story. Maybe it's him coming to terms with <laughs> with how terrible a person he has been and finally changing his heart to be the new person that he needs to be. <laughs> because it's the scene directly after that when he finds Pacha again yes. and realizes, hey, I have a true friend in this guy even after I have turned him down so many times and lied to him. And so it's... that could just be his heart-changing moment of the film. It's quite possible. That is a, one of the many points where these two characters meet up. Why do they meet up? Because the story requires them to. Like, through no fault of their own, they just keep finding each other. It, really? Yeah. I thought Pacha followed him on purpose. 
did Pacha follow him? Because he just went... Because we find Pacha hanging out with llamas, which is apparently just something Pacha does. And then Cusco <laughs> comes in. He's like, oh, how you doing? Another one is when... Um, so Pacha's taking Cusco back to his home. Uh, Cusco doesn't want to make a deal, says he doesn't need help, goes out into the jungle on his own. Uh, there's a hilarious scene with a, a squirrel offering him a nut, him refusing, and the squirrel uh, basically sicking a bunch of panthers on him. Uh, but Cusco gets saved for this because he walks out on a ledge, and lo and behold, there's Pacha swinging in like Tarzan for no reason. I think, at least in that case, it was kind of foreshadowed because Pacha was worried about him when he left and kept saying, no, you shouldn't go out there, and he Mm -hmm. did anyway, and you see him say, well, fine, if he dies, it's not my problem, and then he starts to walk away, but you see him turn around, look over his shoulder, and with a worried look on his face just before it switches scenes again. So I think that one is a little bit understandable. You could see maybe he was going to go back, but I don't Yeah, The llama scene is a little bit... I thought he just followed him when he left, but otherwise it's just something that randomly happened. So Crazy I agree. random happenstance. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I agree that Pacha finding him in the jungle is something that Pacha could do. It's something that goes along with his character as a llama farmer that he'd be fairly good at tracking llamas. I don't see why he's Tarzan. Well, yes, because <laughs> he's he's not he's not a a jungle expert. He doesn't hardly know the vine would go where he wanted it to. Anyways, the most egregious <laughs> one of these Deus Ex Machinas is also doing a very great scene uh, at the very towards the end of the movie, not the very end. Uh, Cusco and Pacha are getting chased by Yzma and Krunk. And Krunk is carrying like this case or uh, what are those things called? Those those carries that normally takes four men to to hold up and like the the uh, the emperor sitting on a throne as they walk him through the city. He's carrying an entire one of those all on his own. Uh, and they so Pacha and Cusco zip line down a rope to get across a gorge and they cut the rope but lo and behold this thing that Kronk is carrying <laughs> actually has wings and like they start to glide against and they're about to catch him but oh wait a lightning bolt comes out of nowhere and shocks them and they fall down a waterfall and then the film actually points out how did we get back to the palace yeah by by all reasoning this doesn't make sense I it's now to, that was actually a funny part in the movie for me. I I enjoy, now again it could be because Patrick Warburton is the one that it's trying to explain it. Sure, but, but I actually thought that was one of the parts that again where the movie just makes fun of itself, and that's kind of where I enjoyed it was when it pointed out the fact that it wasn't making any sense. <laughs> so to me, it's it's very much like kid logic playing with action figures or with toys where they don't really care about the transitions. They know that, you know, they should fight or like they need to get back to the palace because that's how this story ends, but they're not giving it the connective tissue. Uh, um, Or it's very much like dream logic where you just show up at a place. You don't know how you got there, but you're there now. And that's where the story is. I, I don't. Yeah. 
I see, and I don't need that, I guess, because that's what that was part of the humor to me is that they didn't show you this stuff, and then they just point out the fact, oh, it doesn't make sense, but we don't care. Okay. I thought that was funny. This will so come up. That I, stuff I think make, some of it doesn't matter to me. Some but. of it was funny to me as well. I think this will come up in my ratings, where it's going to prevent the movie from being uh, like exemplar or paramount or the top of the top. Because it's just, it's poor storytelling or like it's poor plot logic to connect these great scenes together. I, no. But see, I think they did it on purpose. I So that disagree. makes it part of the plot. I disagree. I, I think, think they were, I no. believe they were in a writer's room. They're, they were saying, we need to get these characters together. Or say the bridge scene where... Pacha has just brought a cart back from home, presumably using this bridge because he made that travel in a day and not the four days it required otherwise. And so he is walking across the bridge with Cusco. Now, we know as an audience, Cusco doesn't really believe in the agreement that they've made that he is going to betray Pacha. I think it would have been much more interesting if, like, he had convinced a guard or he had gotten back to the palace and then betrayed him. But no... We need the betrayal scene. And so, well, let's just have the bridge break and Pacha fall down and be held by vines. And Cusco refused to save him. So how does this get resolved then? Because Cusco could just walk back to the palace. Oh, let's just have the bridge break again. And now they're both hanging there. It just, to me, it wasn't very smart transitions between these very good scenes. They knew where they needed them I, to be I and they didn't write it well enough to But I would to get disagree with that because well now they did need that scene to give them the reason to have these two at odds for the next several days because now they had to wait several days to get back to the palace and now they they needed that reason for them to bond and learn about each other and for Kuzco to change his heart. The only way for that to happen is if they could have to travel together for extended period of time. Agreed. But I think that speaks to my point is that it needed to happen and they didn't have the characters come up with it on their own. They kept having the hand of God intervene to get the characters where they needed them to be. Like the bats that flew them out of the canyon afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, we can we can put that aside. I think I've explained my point, and I you think, have explained yours well, as well. And it's also like like just the same thing. While during that chase scene, that if we go back to that, while mm -hmm. they're being chased. They go to like an overall map of the area, showing where the characters are on their path back to the palace, and they have like a red dashed line for Cusco and Pacha, and then they have like purple triangles for Isma and Kronk, I think. And it just shows like their path where they are, and like for some reason they randomly did like a circle in the middle of it and then kept going. And then at one point, Isma and Kronk look down at the ground and see their purple triangles following them on the road, and they just kind of look at each other and go, huh? And then they just keep going. So, uh, I did enjoy that. That was a that was a good moment for so, me. So, so what do you think of Kronk's shoulder angels? Then is that ah. is that a random thing that that just happens to to fill out the plot points, or is it actually part of the story? I think it's a part of the story because it's his decision-making process. It's, it's his crux. It's where he decides 
what he's going to do, what action he's going to take next. And so it's a character making a choice as opposed to the universe making that choice for them. And so I liked it because it it harkened back to like Looney Tunes, where you have a devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other, and they're both trying to make their points so that uh, you make the right decision. Uh, this happens, I think, twice in the film, uh, and I think I like the the first one more than the second. Really? Yeah, I think. Well, the second one they brought in like the the angel had. Uh, was it curlers in his hair or something? He had just been to um, a barber or something and got caught. I don't know. I think that the first one set the scene, and the second one, they tried to play it a little bit. And I like the more classic version. Well, and then the second time through is when, while, while he's trying to make up his mind, Yzma's yelling at him in the background, and the angels are noticing this. And then when, he, when she... It was, he was like, oh, take it easy or whatever. And then when she like insults his cooking or something, they're both like, oh, time to get her now or something. <laughs> and then finally the angel and the devil both agree and he attacks her instead. Oh, followed up by a great scene where in classic fashion, they cut down a chandelier, which crashes into Yzma. But Yzma is such a tiny and skinny woman that she just goes straight through the chandelier and is totally fine. Uh, let's see, you wanted, you talked about the chase scene and it made me think of something else that I noticed because they take off from Pacha's house, right? And they walk all the way to the bridge because that's a day's travel. The bridge breaks. He says, well, it'll take four days to get to the palace now. Part of that travel is they have to go all the way back to Pacha's house, so much so that they have to go up the hill to Pacha's home where his wife is. I don't understand why this travel is so cyclical. That's true. I and I uh was there a reason? I thought they were purposely going back there to have his family help them or to warn their family or something. Cuz this I, was after they encountered Isma and Kronk at the cafe place, wasn't it? Right. And Kronk uh, later that night had the realization of who Pacha was. Yes. He didn't and pay his bill. I can, <laughs> I can kind of justify how they would know where he lived because maybe they were in on the conversation for the new summer home. Uh, and so they go back to Pacha's house. I don't see why Pacha would need to return there. Except, of course, that the plot requires it. Well, well that's the reason for everything for you in this movie. <laughs> I I swear that they mm. explained that somewhere, but now I don't. Because I think it was after they left the cafe, it was when Pacha met him with that group of llamas out on the mountain for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was after they met there, They he said something like, oh, I have to go home and talk to the wife about something. Like, I don't know if he had to go warn her just in case okay. or if that, I don't remember, but I thought they explained it. it they may have. It may have just slipped but by. But if that's the case, then it would have had to have been like a five-day trip instead of four because right. he would have had to go all the way back home. Exactly so. Uh, now, another thing I want to talk about in this home scene uh, is Pacha's <laughs> children. Because yes. they, they are adorable, but there's a sense that they have some sort of otherworldly power. Because yes. in a previous scene, we we get that they are waking up from dreams where they are actually seeing the plot of the movie. Like, they can actually see what's happening to their dad. And I, I wanted to call this... Uh... 
what what was I going to call them? Like oracles, except they're not seeing the future. They are seeing what yeah. happened at the time that it happened. So I, is that telepath maybe? Yeah, uh, but, I've also like body projection. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I had I had picked up on this too because it was it's right after Cusco runs away and the squirrel scene with the Panthers, Jaguars, whatever they are. Right. Um, and then they, while Pacha's rescuing him, they get tied up to a tree and the tree branch breaks. And as they're floating down the river, they fall over a waterfall and then Cusco gets knocked out or something. And for some reason, Pacha's trying to give a llama CPR. So <laughs> when you go back to the house, the kids, the one kid wakes up screaming and says something. I met, I had a dream that dad got chased by jaguars and fell over a waterfall. And then the other kid says, I had a dream. He had to kiss a llama or something. <laughs> and then mom's and it's just, like, it's just a dream. Go back to sleep. Yeah, it's just a dream. But in reality, all of the audience knows that's what actually happened. Yeah. So not it's only the, that. Yeah. There are other otherworldly powers. Okay. What what do you have? Because I also have a list. Well, I'm not sure about a list. My my thing well, is they're super other. speed. Yes. They can <laughs> they are either super fast or they can teleport. Apparently. Uh because the the way that um Pacha's very capable wife gets rid of uh Yzma and Krunk as their home and she's she puts them into a closet without a handle. And then when they go to run into the door to bust it open, she flings the door open and so they go speeding down the hill. Now her kids can catch up with her. Uh, in fact, one of them is using a power waxer in this very poor llama village because <laughs> she slips off the wax. I think she gets uh, tarred or glued or something yeah. and then into a pillow and she becomes a pinata. Uh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about is that I f didn't realize how much of Mexican culture was in this because we see well, the piñata. Yes, definitely then, South American anyway. Cause correct. That's, now, I looked this up because I do these things. Uh, and <laughs> uh, uh, llamas, I think, are native to like Machu Picchu region of Peru. Mm -hmm. So I think piñatas are used in Peru. I don't think sombreros are. Uh, and we definitely see a sombrero uh, at the restaurant where they tell the wait staff that it's Yusma's birthday. And so you should flower her or give her a cake so that we can escape. Oh, speaking of which, it was actually another thing I didn't remember is that this thing takes place over um, Cusco's 18th birthday. I didn't realize he had a birthday. It doesn't play into the plot at all. Oh, well, it, they do mention it, though, that his birthday is coming up because he's about to be 18. Yes, that's what it is. That's why he's giving himself the summer home. Yes. That's right. That, I think that was what he said. Oh, well, for my birthday tomorrow, I'm going to announce that I'm building my pleasure. What, what does he call it? Cusco-topia. Cusco-topia, yes. Actually, there is a city in Peru called Cusco. Is there really? Look <laughs> at that. It's spelled differently, but... <laughs> oh. oh um... It's the capital of the Inca Empire. Oh, so... very nice. Uh, also, for some weird reason, there's a, a river dancing scene at the very beginning. 
uh, Cusco's on his groove and he gets all of his identical guards together and they do like this river dance thing. I don't think river dance ever made its way to Peru. Probably not. I don't remember this scene, but I was too focused on the old man who got thrown out the window. So, <laughs> uh, John Fielder, the voice of Piglet. Ah, yes, that that I would not have known that from listening to it, but it makes sense now that you say that. Yeah. Oh my God, he is adorable, uh, and I love how. He's not even angry. He's just completely, he understands. Oh, I threw off his groove. I threw off his groove and he threw me out a window. It was my own fault. I got in the way. Uh, I did like uh, his, uh, not his retribution, um, the way that they treat him at the end of the film, where Cusco uh, brings him back to the palace and apologizes. It was just very nice to see the old man again. Because he had a very soft spot. And in my I think heart. it was another. It's one of those um, where, where especially for a children's movie, you get that moment of morality at the end, so they can see you shouldn't treat people badly, and even if you do, you can still change and apologize for it in the end. Oh, while I was talking about the identical guards, because <laughs> yes, they all everyone exactly in this palace same. are exactly the same. There is a scene at the very beginning where. Cusco is presented with potential wives, and he goes and they, through each one of them and explains why they're not right for him. Even they are all also exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yes, I noticed that also. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Now, uh, sorry, did you have more to say about no, that? No, no, no. I think Wani points out that um, she had a real butterface, even yes, though the rest yes. of them had exactly and the one, same. And one of them was too old, one of them was too ugly or something, and they all <laughs> look exactly the same. Um, well, something, so, so going back to the cafe that they stopped in. Yeah. And, and then even farther back than that. So <laughs> when, when Pacha arrives home, the very first time he comes home from the palace, he greets his wife and all this, and the kids come running out and they say, oh, daddy, I ate a bug today. <laughs> and Pacha's response is, oh, is your mother cooking? And it was supposed <laughs> to be this big joke about her bad cooking. Later on, they show up at the cafe, and the big delicacy is a giant bug, and he's so excited to eat it. So why was it a big joke that his mother was cooking, and that's why they ate bugs? That's, that is a great point. I did not pick up on that. Because, yeah, it's he treats it like it's a delicacy when he's at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed this, to be this big special thing that, that he went. Huh. He's like, oh, Cusco, you've never had one of these? <laughs> yeah, that is an excellent point. I did not consider that. <laughs> so Loophole! Yes, but unless he was saying, oh, your mother was cooking, it must have been quite a good meal you had. Right. But I thought, I swear it was supposed to be a joke when he said it at the beginning, so... <laughs> Also, Kronk singing his own theme music. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> when he's sneaking around and he's got to do it like the Mission Impossible theme. And then people walk by, so he just stands there and holds the same note like <laughs> like they don't see him. And they're all staring at him like he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I really like Kronk. I'm, I'm glad that he got his own movie. And have you seen the sequel, by the way? Maybe at one time, not recently. So the thing about the sequel, which is nice, is I don't think 
this movie explains it all why he can suddenly just jump in and be the cook when the cook quits at the cafe. Mm. But the sequel explains that he is all trained in culinary arts and the like the sequel like the whole plot of it is he's he's leading the the whatever campers someplace and they have a big cooking challenge and he's like oh, wow. he's like the big cooking person making food throughout the movie so that's like his whole thing is that he's a culinary chef person because <laughs> those are words that go together yes yes i know what you mean uh though the thing at the restaurant i really liked is he becomes the de facto chef through no fault of his own and like the waitress <laughs> is still barking like all the orders at him that need to go out and like one of the orders I really enjoyed was somebody wanted a steak that was shaped like a fish. <laughs> and he, he knew there was some name for it, too, because he knew all their names. Like, like he, I don't remember. They, they called them all stupid names. Like, they had made up names. Yeah, for the, they, the kitchen the um, lingo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a note here that reads, oh, fuck, spiders. <laughs> Oh, when were there spiders? Uh, it was, there is one spider. Uh, they do the fly reference where it's help me, help oh, me. Oh, yes. Oh, that interesting. Was- <laughs> yeah, that fly could talk and nobody addressed it. At the, he was the only, well, other than the llama, he was the only one that could talk. Right. So is this another person that Yzma has tried to poison and failed? Hmm. If so, when would it have happened? Interesting. Well, maybe one of the several times that she has gone on the throne before maybe, maybe and it was the previous justice. emperor and that's how Cusco became emperor at such a young age oh yeah i and am now Cusco, now now isma has to get rid of him too so she can finally take over so we do see at a point where he is a baby he breaks his toy and cries then is presented with like 10 different identical toys meaning his family has been in power since his birth yes so I'm curious what happened to his parents. Maybe they're the fly. Both of them are one fly. Or one is the fly and another died (laughs) in another horrible death, Maybe one is the fly and one is the spider. Maybe. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the... So so they're focused on the spider crawling towards this fly, and then mm-hmm. it kind of changes the focus to Kuzco's face, and it gets fuzzy on them when it when the spider actually jumps on it. So you don't see the death, but then when you're on Kuzco's face, you see little parts of the fly floating down in front of him, yes. and then the fly says "too late" or whatever. Oh, and so apparently, your the death of an animal in this movie is not too graphic for children, but. They tried to make it humorous, I guess. So, uh, I forgot about that until you just said that. But. Mm, shoot, I had something and then I lost it. Uh, let's talk about uh, Davy Jones, who is the not Davy Jones from the monkeys. Name? Not Davy, uh, Tom Jones. Tom Jones, sure who is the who is. he is the singer. He is the guy with the oh, afro who yeah. is who is <laughs> singing Cusco's basic um, theme music throughout the thing. Yes, I thought he did a fantastic job. I've not listened to a lot of Tom Jones, but I genuinely enjoyed his number at the beginning. Yeah, I mean it's a very upbeat song, and it gets you in the mood for for the movie. I mean, I think the video clips that go along with it also help because it shows. I mean, it sets up the story for the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I found my note. So, um, 
when Cusco dies, quote unquote, uh, Yzma seizes control of the kingdom. She becomes the yes. de facto and she holds empress. a funeral for him. Yes, uh, which I loved her line here because her eulogy is, <laughs> "He ain't getting yes. any debtor." <laughs> uh, and like the kingdom just moves on. So yep. dispassionately, like they just start stamping and, her face on everything that Cusco's face was previously on. And they even mention that again. It all goes back to that cafe for some reason. When when they're when Cusco thinks he's saved because Isma and Kronk are there, he follows them out and overhears them talking about, "Oh, we once we get rid of him, it will move on. Nobody misses him anyway." So. Yeah. I mean, he realizes that he's been a jerk and nobody liked him, so I'm wondering now when he does show back up at the palace, Mm -hmm. at the end, he is the emperor again, but why do people suddenly like him again if nobody missed him when he left? Like, I realize now he's making apologies and atoning for everything that he did, Mm -hmm. but why would they have accepted him back in the first place? Yeah. So my point here that I made a note of is there was no investigation whatsoever into the death of Cusco. He just died at the ripe old age of 18. And uh, we know the lifespan here is quite a bit past that. And like nobody looked into it. There's like, oh, we have an empress now. Okay. Maybe that was just common back in Incan culture. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe people turned 18 and just dropped dead yizma's a real outlier <laughs> uh, he just happened to die somehow because nobody likes him the end <laughs> uh my final note before we move on to the end here is this is a kingdom of really really steep stairs I don't know how anybody walks up these things. Have you ever been to South American ruins? I, I've i been to some pyramids. Uh, now, this would have been in Mexico, not South American, uh, but... They, Central they, American. Yes, then, they yes. they had steeper stairs than we traditionally have now, but they were still walkable. Like a yeah. human... They were designed for human beings as stairs are. As opposed to these ones, which are like at an eighty degree angle. Yeah, I well, my recollection from although the where I went, Cancun was all Mayan instead of Incan, mm. but I thought the whole point was the stairs were really steep and narrow, so that you couldn't walk straight up the stairs because the idea was there were gods at the top of the pyramid, so you had to walk sideways up it so you weren't looking directly at the face of a god. Oh. But that was Mayan, so that may be different. Interesting. Plus, this is just a movie, so... Yeah, that's that's fair. (laughs) I just... We never see a character walking up or down them. I think Cusco has to even take like an elevator down his throne as opposed to walking down oh, from that's there. That's true. I th- well, was it an elevator or did he just grab a rope? I think he just grabbed a rope. <laughs> All right, but let's move on anyway. to the third act. So they're back at the palace. Um, let's see. They are looking for the potion. They can't find the human one because that drawer or that section of the cabinet is empty. Lo and behold, Yzma's there with their potion. Uh, they fight her. They're about to get it. And Yzma knocks down the cabinet. And now we have hundreds of potions all look identical in this room. Leads on to a giant chase scene, which I loved. But what did you want to say about it? Well, this may have been your point also. 
if you have your own secret lab uh-huh. underneath the palace and you have all these different potions at, at the beginning right they're trying to poison Kuzco. He puts the poison or whatever. He turns into a llama. Yzma says, let me see that vial. And there's a label on it that has a skull. She And it, she finds out that the thing is kind of, the, the label is kind of peeled over. And so she unpeels it and then turns into the image of a llama. So if that one has a label on it, why are <laughs> none of the others labeled at all so that you know what they are? And yeah. why would you make all of them look exactly the same <laughs> so that you can't tell the difference? Because say you made all of these and accidentally something happened where you took one, <laughs> wouldn't you need to know which ones you need to take to change back again? You probably would. Another point I had that I forgot about is they try to poison Kusku. They fail, he turns into a llama. Why can't they just poison the llama? She still has the poison. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> uh, but uh, another thing that would I figured out watching this film is uh, Yzma, now in charge, brings in a bunch of the guards uh, and tells them that Pacha and this llama are the ones that killed Kusku, and so they need to die for their crimes. And they throw a bunch, bunch of potions at them, and all these guards turn into animals <laughs> meaning you don't have to drink these potions if they yes. explode near your feet you just turn into the animal but this is not fully explored Cusco could just throw it down at his feet and turn back but no he needs to drink this thing well and if that's the case if you're all standing just a couple feet from each other and these all explode in big puffs of smoke oh yeah how how did you keep from turning into multiple animals at yeah, the same time? Yeah, <laughs> it should have been like Island of Dr. Moreau. That would have been fun. Oh, or I do... just one big blob of animals all oh, mixed together. Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch the shit out of that. Um, uh, though, I, I, there's a great line here where uh, they've all changed into animals and one of them raises his head. It's like, <laughs> I'm a cow. Can I go home? She's like, yeah, all right. The cow can leave. Anybody else? And nobody volunteers, even though, like, one of them is a flamingo. I don't know how you're going to fight in a flamingo. Mm. So then, um, as we're moving on with the chase scene, they just kind of pick up a bunch of vials and run away and keep drinking random ones until they find the one that will turn them into a human. Yeah. Um, so I think, I don't remember what he turns into first, but at one point he is, um, uh, wasn't he, he was like a turtle. He was I think turtle. that might've been first. And then he's a whale. Really slow. Then he, then he turns into a whale, which is funny cause he said, oh, he turns into a turtle and he says, cause Pacha gives him one. He says, oh, that was terrible. Let me pick the next one. And then he turns into a whale and he says, <laughs> not a word or something. <laughs> but then, then they're like, at one point they're falling down a shoot of some kind and he's and they're like about to fall off a cliff and he's like oh please be one with wings and he gives it to them and he turns into a bird and he's like yeah we're flying and then it zooms out and it's like a parrot yeah that can't... he basically turns into iago yes that's what i was waiting for you to say ha. because of your affinity love of for movie. aladdin it's great so so um we have talked before, I think, about how they like to recycle animations. So I don't know if that was what the case here or if they just did it for fun. But yeah, possible. it definitely looks like Iago and obviously is not big enough to carry Pacha with him. Yeah. So then they fall again. And I don't know what they turn into after that. But 
Yeah, I can't remember all the the shifts and changes. I also can't remember oh, when. Then, he, oh, then he he becomes a llama again, and he's so yes. excited! Yay, I'm a llama again! Wait, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember how Yzma turns into a cat, uh, but she. Oh, I think it comes uh, down to two potions, and she drinks one of them. That might be I think it. So because she has both of them in her hands, and I, oh, don't I, no, I don't, I don't recall. Anyway. Um, we get the big choice here, where they're crawling across the top of this giant stone face, which was the very top of the, the palace, uh, and Pacha is about to fall off, and the human potion is teetering on an edge. So, Cusco has the choice, the moral dilemma, do I get the potion, do I save Pacha? And for the first time in this movie, he makes a correct choice and saves Pacha. Although he did save Pacha earlier also. Yes, when he was you're about right. To fall when he's about cliff. to fall off the bridge. Yes. But Though I think yes, that was this, more reactionary and not yes, choice-based. Yeah. This one was obviously he could either choose to save himself and become human again or save his friend, which he grabs Pacha with his hoof paws somehow without opposable thumbs and is able yeah. to grab onto Pacha's hand and yeah. carry him up the edge of the thing. <laughs> but that's a different story. Right. Now, uh, but here's... he does save his friend, and that's the whole big emotional point of the thing. So. The last and final deus ex machina, which I thought was kind of funny because it's Looney Tunes, but it's also not character-based, uh, is Yisma has fallen off uh, as a cat, and because he <laughs> saved Pacha, the potion has fallen off and is headed down the building. Yzma is about to hit the ground, but oh wait, there's a trampoline salesman who has simply had a trampoline here and opened up for demonstration purposes. And so she bounces on it, goes back up, catches the potion midair, and gets back to the top of the tower. Uh, I did find it funny that she couldn't open the thing because she just has paws and not hands. Mm-hmm. Which is how it finally gets into Cusco's hands, and he turns it to a human. <sighs> um, you forgot the, the one thing yes. where, or maybe you said it, and I wasn't paying attention. I don't know because that's possible. always true. Where they did the thing earlier when they were in the valley crevice crevasse mm-hmm. hole, um, where they push back to back and walk up the thing. They did that again at the palace to try to get the potion, which was uh, above them. Yes. Yes, I did like those moments. Because it was like, now it's coming back to the thing that right. happened earlier. It's so that you can skill see that we learned by... to work together. Yeah, it's that skill we learned by mistake that is now suddenly useful. It's a good thing you're not a big fat guy, or this would be really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as previously said in the 62nd, Cusco builds his summer home, but it's, I liked... The, the touch here, that it was a much smaller house. He basically built a copy of Pacha's house on a different hill, and that's his summer home. So and I believe his, his house is actually even smaller than Pacha's at this point. Yeah. So so it kind of shows complete reversal of his attitude mm-hmm. towards everyone, because oh. now he's willing to put himself behind in order to be friends with people but in the most delightful end kronk has turned into a scout leader <laughs> in audience is both pacha's children and yzma who is still a cat in a <laughs> scout uniform and he's trying to teach them to talk squirrel For a uh, quick lesson it's always something like squeak squeakum squeak squeaks 
and no matter what you say, it always means something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, where you're trying to introduce the film to a Hollywood producer or someone who's never seen it by describing it in terms of other films. Uh, in the form, it's this meets this. So I'm going to start us off here, mostly because I think Mark is going to steal some of mine. I want to get in there oh. first. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, I've got a pretty good idea. Uh, so... Because this is a film where an obvious bad guy usurps the throne and characters eat bugs that are slimy yet satisfying. Uh, and a film, or a property rather, with an overcomplicated mechanisms to change clothes on the way to a secret lair. And Eartha Kitt playing a half-woman, half-cat. It is Lion King meets 1960s Batman. Uh, well, I don't have either of those. Oh, good. So... so <laughs> Um, I'm debating which ones I want to do now. <clears throat> okay. So, um, I'm going back to it, not one of the main characters, but I still consider a heroine, uses a frying, frying pan as a weapon, and we also travel through the wilderness on the way home and stop at a random cafe to meet strangers. And... There's a family who teams up to get rid of the villains and kids with super speed. So this is Tangled meets The Incredibles. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to take my next one. But yes, that is very good. Um, so my next one. A film with an advisor manipulating their master and ultimately taking control of a kingdom only to lose it due to the interference of a peasant. And uh, mm -hmm. a property where... People transform into animals, people talk to animals, and psychic and teleporting children. This is Aladdin meets X-Men. Nice. I, <laughs> I knew you have to put Aladdin in there somewhere oh, just because I, it's you. I had to. Yzma was like <laughs> the, the perfect analog to Jafar. Yes. Okay, so <clears throat> you're going to love this one. Okay, I'll, I'll I hope. Prepare. I weirdly thought Sarah would like this one, but <laughs> since she's not here... Screw okay, it. Okay, because we have uh, the main character rescuing... Well, one of the main characters is rescuing royalty who does not look like you would expect. An adventurous trek back to the kingdom during which your heart changes. And because of the quote, when the sun hits this hilltop, it sings... We have Shrek meets the sound of music. <laughs> Very nice. Because I, I guess the hills the, are the, alive with I, the sound I'm of music. I'm aware. I got that reference. It was actually that's the one I figured out of the two. I didn't get Shrek initially, the, but the, well, also in Shrek, how they have to travel across the rickety bridge that falls apart. Uh, which, which is right another, when well, they quite literally cross a bridge and become friends. All right, yes. my final one. Uh, this is a movie with fate intervening in the lives of two characters, bringing them together by chance, time and time again, and a property where John Goodman's character lies to his wife for what seems like the greater good, but she is too strong to care much. That's uh, serendipity meets Roseanne. <sighs> 
actually I've never seen the first one of those, so uh, it's a romantic comedy with um, what's oh, no, his name? I, Not I John know what Goodman, it is, but I I just haven't seen it. Is it uh, uh, is it John? It, I, yes, Cusack? yes, Cusack. That's the name. I always what? Who's that other guy that you? Anyway, it me that does nothing to do with anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get on to our second game. Our second game is alternate taglines, uh, a word or a phrase you would see on a movie poster which encapsulates the theme of the movie, uh, hopefully for ours missing the point, but technically correct. So uh, I looked up taglines for this movie. Normally we go through all of them, but there are like 12 of them for this movie. Uh, so, so speed run, go. No. Most of them are about, uh, it's basically Cusco saying, it's a film about me and me and just me. Uh, but the, I pulled three of them, which are pretty great. Um, so the first is Emperor's New Groove. Beware the groove. Uh, second, Emperor's New Groove. A new wrinkle on evil. And the that, final That's a real one? That's a real one. <laughs> uh the final well, one okay, is my favorite, which is Emperor's New Groove, Llama Llama Ding Dong. <laughs> okay, so we've officially found the movie that has taglines that have nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> See, that's why ours are not so bad, Mark. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Okay, so are you going first on this uh, one again? Yes, because I have three, and I think you also, you have two in this one. Two, yes. Yes. So my first one, Emperor's New Groove. Just remember, you're on his side. Good. Thank you. I guess he does say that at one point, doesn't he? Yes, no. he does. Yes, maybe, he, maybe? It's, it's his voiceover. Although we are all rooting for Kronk. Yeah, reality. well, Kronk or Pacha, but yeah. Not so something do. we did not actually discuss throughout the film or throughout this podcast today, but I have Emperor's New Groove. Why do they even have that lever? <laughs> and really, oh. one of the good sight gags in the movie is so at the beginning, Kronk and Yzma ride down this slide, and Yzma is all serious, just staring ahead, and Kronk has his arms up like it's a roller coaster, and is wee, and then they get to the bottom, and as they fall in, they just fall through their crazy scientist lab coats and land in their outfits like that. Well, at the end, uh, Pacha and Kuzco fall down the same thing, and they fall into the lab coats, but they're on the wrong sides, so Pacha, who is larger, and... Um, Kuzco is smaller, but in the villain side, Yzma is smaller, and... What's his name? Kronk, Kronk. is bigger. You got it. You but got they it. went backwards this time, so now Pacha is in this tiny little costume <laughs> that's really tight on him, and Cusco's in this giant coat that's falling all over the ground. But yeah, we didn't really mention it during the review, but it was still one of the better things, sight gags in yeah. the movie, I think. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, let's see. My second one here is Emperor's New Groove. You try to murder me, and now I've got to regain my kingdom? No problema. I told you, these puns are bad, Mark. <laughs> People at uh, home I can't see this, but this yeah. was me just staring <laughs> blankly forward with no expressions. Oh, Mark, my final one is also a pun, so get ready for that. Oh, goody. <clears throat> my, mine will mean whatever you want it to mean. Ooh. 
Emperor's new groove. Squeak, squeaker, squeakity, squeak, squeakin'. <laughs> oh, all right. So my final one, uh, I think it really encapsulates um, all of the hand of God moments that came into this film. So it's, let's see if I can read it correctly. Emperor's new groove, a real deus ex machlama. You're yes. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, good job. Thank you. These are the jokes, folks. <laughs> All right. And let's... we know we know that if Sarah were here, she would have great puns because oh, she loves them so no, much. No, I just want to. I maybe I'll incorporate the audio from another of her just groaning at every single one of mine. <laughs> It'll be the exact same groan every time. Too. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think that, that's that the worst. That would be a great sound clip to just randomly play throughout the episodes whenever something really dumb happens. Just have her go, ugh. No, I think those were the worst, po- the worst puns since we did, like, you said the Terminator was crushed to find out something. And both yes. me and Sarah just, ugh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we need to have more puns in this show. Yeah, then write them. I'm not doing it, except for sometimes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to our third game, which is the TV Guide game. A description of the plot of the film you may see in a TV Guide or a Netflix description. Uh, hopefully for ours, it is also technically correct, but misses the point. So, Mark, I think you still have less than I do. So I have two, you have one. I'm going to go Correct. Again. All right. So, Ember's New Groove is the story... Did we ever find the real one for this? For the plot description? Yeah. We've never done a real plot description. We did it... We should. We did it once uh, on Lambert for time because the Netflix description had two things that were wrong about the plot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yes. So, my first one. Uh, the Emperor's New Groove is the story of a man morally torn between doing the right thing and doing his job on every major decision except poisoning his king. <sighs> oh, Kronk. <laughs> How we love you. It's pretty great. And by it's, I of course, mean he. Okay. The Emperor's New Groove. A movie in which a cast of A-list actors is outshined by a squirrel who doesn't speak. <laughs> Oh, yep. I think that's And I'm not sure if they are actually all A-listers, but I went with it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I... I, (laughs) Hmm. I'd probably call them B-listers, but yes, it was good. Yeah, that's close enough. It was good. (laughs) All right, my final one. Emperor's New Groove is the story of a pregnant woman who is lied to by her husband and later subjected to a home invasion due to his schemes. But in a surprise turn, she is a fully capable woman, uh, fully capable of dealing with her home life and this horseshit all on her own. <laughs> I forgot that she was even pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's because it doesn't come up, like ever. It'll be another mutant child. These children are not mutants. They have superpowers. Oh, well, okay. They are X-Men, I forgot. (laughs) Yes. All right, let's go on to our rating scale. Oh. Yeah, pull that up. Uh, So (laughs) our first scale uh, is a potato scale, where we tell you the emotional state of the film, something you will feel while watching this movie in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So, Mark, do you still need more time, or would you like to go first? Um, 
No, it's okay. Uh, I so as I stated at the beginning, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I definitely think it's worth watching. However, due to some of those plot holes that we discussed and some of the things where it does seem like they're just filling things in, even though I enjoy that, um, I think a lot of the reason that I enjoy watching it now is somewhat just nostalgic and remembering the jokes as being funny. Um, and then there are some little gags that I liked, but I would put it somewhere between the McDonald's fries and the tater tots. Um, and just to describe this again, in case anyone has forgotten, McDonald's fries just says, overindulgent, it's good once in a while, but you don't want to watch it too often. And then the tater tots is, means it's just for kids. Yeah, I would agree with that, because there's um, there's a lot of interruption in the film with uh, the, the narration coming in and out and i think that's mainly as we discuss to pull kids into the film also the the plot holes kids wouldn't really care that as an adult i take umbrage with that maybe i'm the only one and so my review is also going to be the the tater tots i think a lot of this film is great um but ultimately the plot works better for children than it does for adults all right, so let's move on to our second scale, which is a rewatchability scale, a scale from zero to ten, describing um, whether or not you should go back and rewatch this film. Basically, is your nostalgia warranted? So, Mark, the what would point of our podcast? Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, what did you give this film on a scale from zero to ten? <sighs> This one is tough because yeah. as much as I enjoy the movie myself and I still, I mean, the jokes are funny at times. It's just kind of more of a ha ha that was kind of humorous more than a I'm going to laugh out loud funny. So I do believe that people should still go back and watch it if it has been a long time or especially if you have children who have not seen it. But like I said with the McDonald's fries, it's not something that you probably need to see too often or want to watch a lot of. I would put it uh, probably a seven. Oh. It's probably higher than Carl's going to go, I'm assuming. But I actually really enjoyed it. It's just that I just can't see it being something that you want to go back and watch a lot. Yeah. Uh, I will surprise you, actually, because I agree. This film has some genuinely good scenes in it, and the good scenes outweigh the the bad transitions in between them. So I can't give it a, a very high score because it didn't fully... Uh, the, the plot kept getting in its own way. And so I'm actually going to tie your score and also give it a seven. So it's a good film. If you're nostalgic for it, there are very good moments that you should go back and watch because they're still genuinely great. However, you may find that getting in between those moments is a bit of a chore or you don't really understand how the characters got here. They're just here and they're doing their thing. Yes. All right. <laughs> So let's go on to plugs. No, new movie. New I'm movie. I'm terrible with transitions myself and getting to sections of our own podcast. So, yeah. So I um 
I had envisioned a game to for this in a way that would have worked better with two people guessing at what this is. Hey, hey, Mark, that's not my fault. I know. <laughs> so originally, which we may be able to use in the future, yeah, is I was going to have you. I was going to give you a range of years and have you try to get see who could pick the closest to oh. the date that it's released interesting okay um and then from there it was going to be similar to what we did last time with the um bidding game yeah. to see to see how many actors you could name on it since there's only one of you you Correct. can't really i could have you guess at the year but it wouldn't do you any good all right so I will tell you, it was released the same year as the movie we just reviewed in this podcast. All right. I have a vague <laughs> sense of when that was. So, um, I'm going to tie it in in the fact that it takes place in exotic lands that are similar but maybe fictitiously uh, in it, to, to the setting um, in Central and or South America. Hmm. Okay. So, um, we can do this two ways. If you want to do 20 questions, which went so well the last time that it was just the two of us. I, don't, don't do I could one. give you names of the actors starting at the bottom of the list, oh. but I don't know how many of those you will need. Okay, okay. So, for this film, I didn't do the whole list. Because the the very it's true. I mean, if you would have gotten John Fielder, who plays the old man, you wouldn't have recognized the name, and you wouldn't have thought that he would have been in this movie anyway. So well, right now on IMDb, mm -hmm. there are twelve people listed in the top build cast. Okay, how so, many? So what is the lowest? I guess. Hmm. So go down to the lowest recognizable name. And give me that number of people. <laughs> well, <laughs> the very last one is actually a very recognizable name. Rats. But, All right. But well, we, there, can, are we one, can... there are ones in between there that are not. Yeah. So, um, for instance, the 12th, the very last one on here is the narrator of the film, who is Elton John. So <laughs> All right. Well, he's... Okay. So it's a very recognizable name. However, there are a few more after that that you probably won't get, and I probably can't pronounce. So, okay, we will start with uh, six. All right. All right. So, so given six names, um, I'm going to ask you could you do it in three? No. Okay. I personally, then, I wouldn't know, wouldn't recognize the actors' names from this film. So that gives good. I know I and or well, great. No, 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 no. What okay. I mean is, I recognize the actors' names, but yeah. I wouldn't have necessarily associated uh, them with this film. Okay. Well, if so you think you it, therein lies the challenge okay. for you. <laughs> if we're going with six, and you said you couldn't do it in three. I'll go with your uh, your assessment, and I'll go four. So give me four names four. reading from the bottom. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, right. So I give you four and not the top two. Correct. So number six at the bottom of the list, Jim Cummings. Okay. He's actually a very well-known character voice actor for animated films. Well, great. That helps me not at all. <laughs> Number five, Edward James Olmos. 
what the crap? <laughs> uh, right. Now, this one is one I wouldn't have known. Armand Asante. No, I don't know it either. Rosie Perez. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Okay. Gosh. Um, I so, I have a guess, but it's not like a South African, or not South African, South American. Well. <laughs> um, gosh, I am... Um, I'm also hard-pressed to come up with a movie where Elton John was the narrator. Do you need any more clues? Uh, well, I can tell you. I'm or would not, you like to ask a question? I'm not going to get it from this. I could give you a guess, and my guess would be, um, oh, shoot. No, don't blank on me now. <laughs> oh, man, I got to look up this thing. What is what? What is your... Do you have a category for your guess? Uh, it's a space movie. Oh, well, that's definitely not it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, Treasure Planet. It was my guess. Oh, that is not correct. <laughs> but it is uh, actually a, a similar theme. Oh, also, Treasure Planet was also wrong. My guess was supposed to be Titan A.E. Oh, well, either way, it, it, but the theme is similar to Treasure Planet, actually, more so than Titan A.E. Oh, God. All right. Let me look up Treasure Planet, which I'm only vaguely aware of. But it did not happen in space. R okay, so it's pirates? No. The overall idea of the treasure hunt. Oh, is this El Dorado? Hooray! Okay. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I don't know. Who were the other two names? Uh, Kenneth Bran Branagh? Brenna? B-R-A-N-A-G-H. Kenneth Brenna. Brenna. Yes. And Kevin Klein. Okay. Yeah. Gosh. Would you have gotten it from them? Uh, probably not, actually. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I recognize some of the names, but I would not have put them in that movie. Yeah, so... It's, it's probably a fault of the game, simply because this game is usually played with very well-known movies. Um, yes, and this and one so, is not... And, and yeah, I didn't think... This one is... I mean, it, I, there are people who know it. And, oh, sure. And you recognize the name of it right away once you know the theme behind it and the setting and all that. It's just... it. I, I think it got kind of lost, which... I think something that happened with Emperor's New Groove as well, when it didn't get so many great reviews, I think it was in the time period when all this 3D computer animation was a big thing, and when you went back to this hand-animated style, people weren't paying as much attention to that at the time, and it just kind of got lost behind everything. So, quick correction, the name of the film is actually The Road, Road to, to El Dorado. Yes, I was yes. technically wrong. You um, were, but you had the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I remember seeing this film when it came out. I don't really remember anything about it. I know at one point they play like the uh, the version of basketball that they had back then. Yeah, it's like basketball soccer where you have to hit it through the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and like the goal is barely bigger than the it's, ball itself. Yeah, and it's like sideways on the wall. Yeah. It's not, um, so I assume they're on. They, 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 I, so they are. 
somehow they, I don't know how they get on the ship. They were slaves or they were running from the law. Somehow they were thieves of some kind who were being chased, I believe. They get on this ship and end up down there because they have a map that's leading them to the treasure. And when they get there, they hit a dead end and they're mad at each other. And then they meet this girl who is... We're kind of doing the whole 60-second synopsis. Here. Yeah, I don't but remember they, anything. They, meet, the, so they meet this girl who is from from the village or whatever who's running because she also stole something. And they get taken back to the village because people... The, the guards who come out there mistake them as gods. Mm. And then... But they're really in search of the city of gold. And that's how they find it is because the people come out and think they're gods. And then they spend the movie trying to convince them that they are. Hmm. Interesting. All right. I am looking forward to this movie simply because I have no idea about it. Is this a musical? Uh... Maybe? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i i want to say yes but i don't remember what any of the songs were so oh interesting so i'm looking up some of the the cast it does it has lyrics it says all right well i guess elton john is as the narrator so they would have that makes sense yeah. lyrics by tim rice that's a name that i have heard before so, Mark, you didn't recognize the name Kenneth Branagh, uh, True. but you may recognize his character from Wild Wild West. If you ever saw that movie, he played the uh, the bad guy in that. Uh, I saw it like once a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so why don't we close things out here? I don't think we're going to get any more juice from our memories of this film. So, so sorry. No, go uh, ahead. Music for Road to El Dorado by John Powell, who also did the music for How to Train Your Dragon hey. and some of those, and Hans Zimmer, which doesn't make it sound like a musical, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, so let's do our plugs uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching Retrograding. Uh, you can find us online. Our episodes are at retrograding.fireside.fm, and we are on Twitter at RetrogradingPod. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her on SoundCloud um, by looking for Dominique A. Barnes. I think that's correct. Uh, if you'd like to contact her or know more. And to finish us out, Our final segment. Guys, I learned something today. So, there is, I think, two scenes in this film where a character is trying to give their greatest treasure to another character and is refused time and time again. And the character that refuses the gift is always uh, worse off for it. So... My lesson from this is if a squirrel hands you a nut, you take the (laughs) nut. So I just want our audience to ruminate on that for the coming two weeks. Uh, We're going to close things off here. Join us next time when we do The Road to El Dorado.
TV God or a Netflix TV God, uh, TV Guide. <laughs> I have two. I don't really like either of them, but I have them. So <laughs> that's all right. I think mine are okay at best. Uh, for the taglines, I had to get into puns, and you know how I feel about those. Uh, I I will enjoy them. I wish I could be more punny. 8-bit dubstep? That's not what that is. <laughs> Why not? That would be cool to hear. Dun-dun-dun. Oh, oh, bad. No, 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 no. <laughs>